Hey there, welcome to Pop Cult X episode 25. 25. Wow. Oh, I thought you were giving me 25. Some, like, a cue to like oh. recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, 25. <laughs> it wasn't like in five, four, three type stuff. <laughs> and use take two. Yeah. So yeah, episode no. 25. Um, thank you to all the listeners that have joined us thus far. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, talking with with danny um on the podcast on our youtube channel and we've been very fortunate. should we have gotten some balloons or something for like 25 I know, right uh and uh had a lot of cool guests um so we're gonna try to keep that up for everyone and get some interesting subject matter um for everyone listening um but uh let's go ahead and get started on this week yeah definitely let's let's do this so um one thing I know that we we talked, of course, off air, yeah. and one thing that we both had in common is that we finally watched Cruella yeah. uh, on Disney+. Plus. So I watched it, I think it was last week, and I forgot to bring it up last episode, yeah. but I'm glad that I waited because now you got to see it. So what were your thoughts on the movie? I, I was really pleasantly surprised. So I, I didn't have really high expectations going into it. I hadn't really heard a lot about it. I think that that has mm-hmm. to do with uh, the pandemic and it not being released in the theaters and it being, I think what straight to Disney plus straight to Disney plus. Yeah. But I was, I enjoyed it so much. I loved the cast. The cast was amazing. No. So uh, Emma yes. Thompson <laughs> was amazing in that, mm-hmm. uh, grand dam sort of, uh, yeah, head of a fashion house. Uh, and now I can't think of the main characters, Emma, Stone. Stone. Emma Stone was amazing <laughs> as Cruella herself. She was she was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they did an amazing job with plugging it into that um like early like post punk um era of London. Um I think that they were probably very like inspired by Vivian Westwood with her style of fashion, like mm-hmm. deconstructed punk fashion. Um, mm-hmm. which I've always been a fan of Vivian Westwood. So when I start, saw that, that that's the kind of fashion that it was going to be, like I immediately connected to it, that it was really cool. Um, the plot I thought was original um, because I, I thought, how are they going to make you uh, be a fan of Cruella, right? You know, here's a woman that- oh, Right, right. How are they going to make Cruella likable? Yeah, she right. wants to kill dogs and wear them, like- that's like the most evil thing that you could possibly think of. And so I thought my thing was, how do you, how do you get me to like her? But they did it. They, they actually made me um, like the character. They did it in a very interesting way. Um, And I I thought that it was very clever. Uh, There really wasn't anyone in the cast that I didn't think did it, who I thought they all did a superb job. I thought they were all an an amazing Mm -hmm. cast. Um, I, I love, the UK. I love London. Um, so I love seeing the, mm-hmm. the, you know, that time, um, being displayed and, uh, kind of took me back to when I, I visited London and I, th- I thought it was just really, really great, really creative, really funny. Um, I loved the dog that played wink. Um, I thought he was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought he stole the show. Like the, the scene where he's dressed up as like a, a rodent, like possum rat, whatever, like <laughs> I died laughing. It was so funny. But what were your thoughts? Yeah, that was funny. Oh, I enjoyed it immensely as well. I mean, the from all the punk styled outfits that Emma Stone created and wore, um, the cast was fabulous. 
like you said, Emma Thompson was great. Um, who was the play, who the person, I think his name was Mark, uh, who played like her kind of like Mark Strong, who played like the valet. Mm -hmm. I thought he was perfectly cast. I always enjoyed him from like the Kingsman movies where he played like Merlin. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. I know who you're, yeah. Yeah. He was a great character. Yeah. Uh, He always has that same type of role, you know, it's like the overseer kind of mentor in a way, which is cool. I mean, if he fits it great and he did a great job with it. Um, But yeah, I I really like the movie and I really like, like you said, the plot, how they told the story where they didn't kind of try and reshape who Cruella was like with like Maleficent, how they, you know, they had to like change that narrative big time, I think. Um, But with this, they, they showed how she came from, a kind of like insane line, I guess you would say it like, cause her birth mom was really out there and crazy. Um, and it shows that she has all those seeds planted, but that she is trying to do better for her, like quote unquote adopted mom. Yeah. So, but how those reins come apart. And when, when her, was it Ella dies supposedly and then cruella lives so it's it's plants a lot of seeds for i would say a sequel to see how she can transition from where she is to what makes her even more evil but do kids want to see that i don't know yeah and that's kind of a good question is like is is that movie a kid's movie like i i think that it's kind of aimed towards adults in a way i i Mm -hmm. i think that the target demographic i don't think is like eight or 10 year olds. Although certainly I'm sure that there's a lot of young girls that have, you know, really good fashion sense that were really into it. I I enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. I just, I thought it was really good. The fashion was like spot on. I loved all of the entrances that Cruella, uh, you know, for listeners who haven't watched the movie Mm -hmm. there, there's a moment when the character Cruella is being introduced to everyone else in the movie and she makes these really grand entrances to upstage this other existing fashion like designer art pieces right yeah it was i, I mean I, like i said if if you're familiar with vivian westwood it's very similar to her aesthetic also like alexander mcqueen john galliano all these mm-hmm. like really where they take um very couture looking pieces and then like deconstruct them and make them look really punk and i've always been yeah. a really fan a really big fan of that um i've always loved that aesthetic and so I loved what they did with the fashion and um, they had, it had so many lines, like, like one off like zingers that Emma Thompson said throughout the movie that <laughs> was very similar to Devils Were Prada, where it's like this head, you know, female badass that, you know, is really cutthroat. And so you kind of admire her on one side because you, you, you know, Ashley says mm-hmm. you have to be mm-hmm. cutthroat and you can't care about anyone else if you want to succeed. But then at the other right. side, it's like, well, at what cost, you know, are you, cutting out your family, your friends, and, you know, are you doing harm to other people to try to reach your goal, which, you know, Mm -hmm. we find out, you know, maybe Cruella does that, maybe she she doesn't, (laughs) but uh, I thought it was really great, and I think they have announced that they are going to do a sequel. Oh, did they? Interesting. So I'm really excited to to see that. I actually, I, I, I saw it last night, right, and so I, I tweeted about it, and so I knew that they had created, um, uh, Mar or uh, yeah, Marvel. I think did yeah because it's owned by Disney. Um, they did a comic, uh, a manga, and so I ordered it last night. And it 
arrived this morning. It was like super fast. Like I watched the movie late last night and already oh, wow. arrived on the doorstep. And so uh, it's kind of cool. It's this, <laughs> you know, manga style um, retelling of that that story of how Corella becomes Corella. Um, so it's really cool. I thought mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really a big fan. I really liked it a lot. I'm probably going to watch it again soon because there. I think there's probably a lot of things that I, I missed as far as being able to see or pick up some of the, um, you know, some of the fashion scenes were really great. Um, a lot of the details to the jokes because of their accents. It was a little bit hard for me to understand one of uh, Guella's <laughs> friends, uh, which is part of why it's funny. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there's some parts of it that I missed that I think would be even funnier if I understand mm-hmm. what he was saying. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to watch it again. <laughs> I, but yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised. I think of that that genre of them remaking, um, you mentioned Maleficent uh, or like the retellings of those like old children's classics. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably one of the best ones, I think. In my opinion. I would agree. Yeah, like I think Male- Maleficent's no, I- a close second. Um, but what's another one? Like the Huntsman and... What, the one where it's supposed the to be Snow, Snow White. Yeah, the Snow White and the Huntsman or whatever. Yeah, yeah I wasn't. But a, that wasn't really Disney. So are we sticking to just the well, just Disney like, Disney versions of yeah, them? Or well, I mean, if you are we branching to, out? To Disney itself, like Aladdin, I thought was a miss. I didn't think that one was good at all. Um, <laughs> what about the Jungle Book? The jungle I, book I enjoyed the Jungle great. Book. I thought the Jungle Book was really yeah. good, actually. Um, and then there was another one, too, right? Um Aladdin, the Lion, Lion King. King. Yeah, I, I haven't actually seen the Lion King. Have, did you watch it? Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's it's. I enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't comparing it to the original. You know, I'll go with the original, but it was good. It wasn't bad. I mean, I also enjoyed Mulan too. Oh, Mulan but, was really I good mean, too. So I, I think that there's, like, was a little there's different. two kind of sets of movies where it's like the prequel where you're trying, you're learning and it's like an original story. So Cruella of Maleficent. Like the origin story type like thing. a remaking in live action. Mm-hmm. So Mulan, um, Aladdin, Lion King. Of those three, Mulan is definitely the best one, um, I think, of like mm-hmm. the just the live action version. Um, and then the origin stories, I think – I think Cruella is just like slightly, I think, uh, better than Maleficent. I, I love Maleficent, but um, the originality of the story and there's more for the more that appeals to me. I think the fashion aspect of it, you know, it being in London, uh, the humor, it just kind of edges it over the top for me. If I had to pit them, yeah, I agree. Two, two of them against each other, <laughs> put them in a death <laughs> match. <laughs> Yeah, so it was really good. Like I, I, I don't find myself on Disney Plus often, um, unless there's something that comes to Disney Plus first, like Mulan did. I think we actually paid to watch Mulan mm-hmm. early. Um, oh, yeah, okay. and then I haven't caught up on the What If series, but the next episode, I believe, is the Marvel Zombies, which you know Ooh, we talked nice. about you know last week, and so I think that'd mm-hmm. be really interesting for us to see because. I, I love that um, sort of spin on, you know, Marvel tales, if you will, of the zombie right. heroes and how that plays out. That sounds interesting. I've been watching the what if. Yeah. And last week episode with um, the Doctor Strange one was it got dark. It was really dark with um, especially with, you know, because Doctor Strange in the time zone, he 
it's kind of like the, you know, when, if you can't get it right, go back and repeat it and you repeat that till you get it right. But he could never get it right and never save, um, his, oh, I can't even think of her name. The one Rachel McAdams voices. Yeah. Um, but he can't save her and it just eats him alive. And it just, I won't ruin it for you if you do want to go watch it, but it's just, it's probably one of the darker ones of the what if series, yeah. but I enjoyed the, the um, T'Challa Star-Lord one. That was really fun. Yeah, uh, you got to go watch that one. If you see any of them, that one was fun. Yeah, I, It sounds like it would be fun, but it sounds sort of the plot or the question of what if. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. really make a good storyline for me. Like, what if he became Star-Lord? It's like, nah. whereas like if you're really taking a character and like really changing it up, like – Doctor Strange, you know, with that storyline or, yeah. you know, Captain America. What if um, I forget her name? Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian Carter. Cap- uh, Peggy Carter. Captain Carter. Yeah. That's like interesting. But just to say, like, it, I mean, it's almost as if like, well, what if the Falcon becomes Captain America? Like, it's cool, but it's not really like a, a big <laughs> shocker or like a big like. Yeah. Spin. It's just like, oh, it's cool. Like, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of like, what could be another, you know, uh, what if rogue became, you know, I don't know, Gamora, like, okay. Yeah. Like, like, is it really something that's like people are dying to find out what would happen if that were the case? I don't know, but I I have to watch it to, I guess, before I pass a lot of judgment on it. Um, I love black Panther, obviously (laughs) a good character, but him becoming star Lord, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's good. You go watch it. Yeah. It's go watch it and then and then report back. Yeah. yeah, you'll you'll see. It's it's been really I mean, they are hit and miss. I didn't like the first episode. Second episode was a Star Lord T'Challa one and it was really good. Yeah. Third episode, I don't remember what it was, so that tells you that right there. Oh, the Hulk. And Black Widow, I think it was. So one of the episodes was all the Avengers, the original Avengers from like the Marvel MCU Avengers were getting killed off. Oh yeah, what if so Black Widow had to go hunt them, right? Yeah, exactly. What if there were no Avengers? So um, that was interesting, and it it was uh, uh, Hank Pym. Sorry, did I just spoil it? Yeah, (laughs) doing all the when it comes to comics, it's like you can't really spoil anything because it's like. They've taken from previous comments, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to really surprise me and it doesn't really ruin it when I hear endings or the surprise, like mm-hmm. Taskmaster in Black Widow, that it did genuinely surprise me because I didn't know that they were going to go that route um, and no one spoiled it for okay. me, no one said anything on Twitter. Um, but had I known that it was like... It really wouldn't have ruined it for me because because what I was attracted to of, of Blackwood or what I actually became a fan of was um, the sister. I think the sister stole mm-hmm. the whole movie. Mm-hmm. She did. So I'm like, Taskmaster was Florence like, Pugh did like and I wasn't going job. to see the movie to see Taskmaster. I've like never been that big of a fan. Um, but, you know, I'll have to check it out. Um, the other thing on Disney Plus <laughs> that I think that is kind of like I've saw is on, but doesn't really isn't calling out to me to watch it is the Billie Eilish concert. Did you get a chance to check it out? <laughs> yeah, I did. And you're right. It was there and it was calling out to me because I'm a big fan of her new album, Happier Than Ever, especially 
the title song happier than ever. I think that's a brilliant song so, sung in like two parts. So there's the first half and second half and they're totally how they contrast with the style one and the feeling of it. So I was really looking forward to seeing this and it was directed by Robert Rodriguez. Oh, really? So I was like, Oh, cool. Really? Yeah. So he, he directed it, but he, I think he directed like, okay, let me backtrack a little bit. Cause I get ahead of myself <laughs> all the time. I always, I always say that I go and I go off on tangents. Um, the movie, was shot in Los Angeles. So it's called happier than ever a love letter to Los Angeles, which is fine. I hate LA, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, and it was shot, I guess, during the pandemic at the Hollywood bowl. So it was a concert, which is fine. And I, how can I put this? So the most interesting part of the movie itself to me was the snippets in between songs. So it was like when she wasn't singing was the best part of the movie, which was kind of sad because I was really hoping for like a Michael Jackson moonwalker type of movie Mm -hmm. where the songs help and the videos came together and to help propel the story along the lines for whatever was telling. But this was just a concert sung to an empty Hollywood bowl. Oh, wow. So – yeah, so it was okay for like maybe one or two songs, but every single song was – that's all you had. It was just a camera rotating around her and the lights coming down, and it was just at the empty Hollywood Bowl, which was kind of a letdown to me yeah. considering I really had big high hopes for it, especially with my – like I said, the liking of Robert Rodriguez, I think, is one of my favorite directors. Yeah. And I don't think he did the the concert portion of it. I think he did the snippets in between. Um, that being said, there was one part, one track that was, um, an animated, um, number where it's a spoken word called not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. Cause you see her walking down like this tunnel, an animated version of Billie Eilish walking down a tunnel and like, there's this red and black loops going over her. And then it's all to that spoken word track. And it, that was really cool. That was like probably the best part of that of the movie for me. So if you go watch it, I think it's right in the middle. Just watch that part. The not my responsibility track. Just ignore everything else yeah. because it's all to me was all just a throwaway. I don't know. I hate to say that, but it really was. Yeah. It wasn't that great. It was really a letdown. And I mean, I, I could have just turned off the TV and listened to the album. I would have had more enjoyment. Hmm. Yeah, so oh, well. the thing with Billy Eilish, I always want to call her Billy Eilash. Um, is that, <laughs> I like some of her songs. I like her songwriting. Mm-hmm. I believe it's her. She writes the lyrics, right? And her brother does the music. Her and her brother, yeah. I think. Yeah. So I, I, I think she's very talented singer songwriter. I personally, I think if I, for me to become like a really big fan of an artist, I either have to really connect to their lyrics or I'm a fan of their like talent as a vocalist, like their instrument being their mm-hmm, voice. Mm-hmm. So someone mm-hmm, like Christina mm-hmm. Aguilera, which you, you, I've talked about how much of a big fan I am of hers, who I saw <laughs> at the Hollywood Bowl this year. Uh, with Billy, there isn't any moments that I think her voice, I where I'm drawn to her performance or I really am amazed by it. It's so understated and so... Um, she's not a belter. She's not, so it's not really my style of yeah. singing that I like. Um, there are some groups that, that I think that she epitomizes that style of like very low key. Um, I think of like groups like Portishead, um, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, there's another group that I was just literally just listening to the other day, um, Tricky, and uh, I forget the the band. Anyway, uh, during that whole like trip hop phase of like English music that was coming out like '95, '96, like I was a really big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and where it they never really belt the music out right. They're always very like low key, uh, but. I'm really attracted to their lyrics and I'm really attracted to like the sounds. I think with Billy, it's just like, I'm not her target audience. Like maybe if I was like a young girl, I would. And I've said this right. about like some other singers that are really popular right now that I, it just, it, it doesn't appeal to me. It, I don't take away from their talent. I think that she's very talented, but I just don't, it doesn't connect with me. And so I, I probably won't. I, that's why I didn't watch that concert and why I probably won't you know, rush to go see it. I'm um, just because it just, it's not anything that really makes my heart beat any faster. It just like, I'll see it. Like if you, you know, you recommend that little animated piece or if there was something that really stood out or if she did something that was very amazing that everyone was talking about, I would, you know, force myself to watch it. But like I said, there's maybe one or two songs of hers that I really like. When I go to her performance, like she's not someone I would even go to go see live because She's not really, she's not, I don't know. Like it's hard. Like, I don't know. Like her, sometimes her singing style just kind of gets on my nerves. Cause it's like so low key. And it's like, Oh, like, Oh, she's really going to belt it out. I know oh, she's not. She's the whole song. Well, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I know what you, and that the one song, my favorite song is the title track from that. It's just happier than ever. Yeah. And I think that song is, she belts out at the end of that oh, one a little you? bit. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to, listen I to want that to hear that. I want to hear that. And I don't want to say that it's because I want to hear her talent because I think that there's different types of vocalists and you don't always have to be like a, a Beyonce or Aretha Franklin style singer and have these like big, big mm-hmm. vocals. I am a fan of that. That's like typically what I like to listen to when I'm listening to just someone who's a singer. Um, but um someone like that I, I like to be surprised like sometimes in like this style change a little bit someone like Kesha who when she first came out I didn't I didn't really like her a lot I liked some of her songs but her vocal style like really grew and then I was like oh she could actually sing and I've seen her perform a couple times <laughs> and she's a really great performer mm-hmm. and uh she's a really earnest performer like I think she really believes in in what she's singing and her lyrics and even though she's sort of like a fun pop star i think she has some like really cool like meaningful lyrics to some of her songs um and so like i'm waiting for that moment from billy to have like a really like a song that i'm like wow like that really hit me like the lyrics and the vocals just she killed it but so far the vocals are like they're cool like the beats are cool but she's not really like knocking it out of the park for me as of yet but it may be that she's go go listen you know and it's okay it could be yeah you know Go listen to Happier Than Ever and read the lyrics. Okay. That yeah, one, I'll have to check it out because I, I haven't listened to that album because I just like, you know, kind of whatever. There's another band yeah. that I think of like Mazzy Star. I don't know if you know who they are, but – or mm-hmm. they they to you, yeah. Um, and she's very mm-hmm. low-key. Hope Sandoval, like she's not a mm-hmm. belter. She's very low-key, like very like um, the Velvet Underground – um very like lo-fi and i love her voice and i love the lyrics and i'm not expecting her to come out and like start belting it out <laughs> and, right. um, and so I, but i am a fan of that 
And so it's not that I'm necessarily against people that are just chill, like whatever, when they perform or when they're seeing, uh, there's just something about, I, I, maybe it's also the, the media, like putting so much on her, like she's the next big thing. And, and like, Could she's be. so talented. She's the, so like this, that, and the other. And it's like, when I heard her, I'm like, okay, it's good. But has she, like, I don't know. She just hasn't really done anything for me to think that she's earned the amount of attention that she's got. Um, but Well, I think it's to what you said, that you're not the target audience. Oh, like funny. my nieces, they're 12, 13. They love her. Yeah. Know every single one of her songs, word for word. So it's like, okay, so that's not for us, I guess. Yeah. But I think what I didn't really listen to her until she got like a ringing endorsement from Dave Grohl. Hmm. And then when he said that she's she's the next, you know, big thing, I was like, oh, really? He said that. Yeah. So and that's someone who I respect from Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. I was like, if he's saying that, there must be something there so I can go give it a try. Yeah, yeah she's definitely interesting. So. Um, I'll, I'll give her that. So, well, I guess, well, the, the jury's still out for me. I'll have to check out her new album, <laughs> listen to the title track, like you said, and, and maybe next week I'll be, be her biggest fan and, like, dye my hair green in her honor. <laughs> You remember all like the little girls are like going to dye their hair green because of her that, like highlighter green. Yeah. Probably yep. not, but it, it might happen. <laughs> that is so true. Well, I want to see that. Things that we should do connect that. with me that I am a fan of. I fin- finally got to see um Shang Chi. I always say it wrong. I want to say Chang Chi or Shang Chi. Yeah. Anyway, uh and when I say finally, I'm just like, cause there's been so much hype about it and like it, you know, about, about to come out. And like, I've been really excited about obviously like MCU comics, all of that. Um, not a really big fan of the actual comic character. Like I, um, because he's sort mm-hmm. of like the world's greatest martial artist, which I'm like, okay, like I'm a big fan of like, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> yeah. Like I, like we were talking about last, um, last week, um, with our, our guests, and saying like how he's kind of tired about writing about like these godlike you know fantasy yeah. heroes. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like that. That's my gig. Like I love the, <laughs> the, the, the godlike. So you wanted to say no? You're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> like flying can shoot. You know, lightning bolts. Um, can you know can't build. Um, so when you get a character that's like sort of like Shang Chi, which is like oh he's really good at throwing punches and kicking. I'm like, bah. like that's not really that exciting. That's like almost realistic. Um, but this movie is really good. I, I highly recommend it. Talking about really good cast, the cast is amazing. Um, there's a lot of stars mm-hmm. in it that I, I wasn't expecting to be in it when I, I when you know I walked in. I knew like the lead characters, but um, Michelle Yeoh is in it, and I'm a huge fan oh, of okay. hers. I think she is one of like the all time most like beautiful, graceful, like elegant actresses of like all time. I, I think she has. I could watch her perform like martial arts on screen. Like it's just like, it's like ballet dancing. It's like uh, an art form the way Mm -hmm. she does it. She's so graceful, um, but powerful. And uh, the two leads um, Aquafina. And I think I can't say the male actor's name. Is it Simu Lee? Yeah. Is that how you say it? I, I'll go with that. Um, but I think he did a great job <laughs> with, with, uh, with bringing um, Shang-Chi or Sean. And there's a joke in the movie because uh, Shang, Shang-Chi is like escaping his past and he comes to San Francisco and his best friend is a character played by Aquafina. And then he has to tell her that, you know, who he is. And he says, you know, oh, my, hmm. my name is 
Shang-Chi and she's like, wait, you went into hiding and you changed your name from Shang-Chi to Sean? She's like, that's literally like a girl named Gina changing her name to Gina. <laughs> and and um, Aquafina, it definitely like close to stole the show. I wouldn't say stole the show, like, you know, the limelight, but I wasn't a big fan of Aquafina coming into the, the movie. But I am now. I, she's really funny. Um, really? Yeah, like a yeah, lot of she's one hilarious. Like one-liners in the movie. Um, her character has a really cool mm-hmm. story arc. Um, I don't want to ruin it for you because there are things that I think are really surprising about the movie that I didn't expect and I didn't know walking into it. So I don't want to ruin that that moment for you. Um, but there's some really cool things in it. The martial arts is amazing. Uh, you know, kind of expecting that obviously if you're doing a martial arts film that it better live up to that hype. Yeah. And they did. Uh, there's some really good comedic moments. So it's still within that vein of like MCU movies. Uh, mm-hmm, and so it, mm-hmm. it was really good. I, I am a, I'm now a fan of that. I, I do have um, the new um, release that they did of Shang-Chi that they released a couple months ago to tie into the movie. And I, I got like the first issue. Um, so I might go back and collect some other issues um, of, of cool. him to see what he, you know, what his character is all about. But they did such a great job. I, I, you're you're going to love it, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm I'm sure I will. I'm a huge fan of it of that genre, yeah. I guess you would say. <laughs> um one question though that I had for you since and without this shouldn't give away too much, um, how does it lead into or does it even lead into the Eternals? Um it's not it it doesn't really have a connection, I don't think. Oh, it doesn't? Okay. Yeah, That's what there, I was there is, about. you know, obviously it's not a surprise to you to know that at the end of the credits there's like an end credit scene. Yeah. It's kind of a, like two, a mysterious, right? like, uh, you know, yeah, I'm not that big of a fanboy to know like exactly what they were hinting at. I think that it probably goes more into uh, Doctor Strange, his new film with like the whole like oh, okay. multiverse and all that. I think multiverse, it's leaning more yeah. towards that. Um, so I, I think that that the Eternals aren't necessarily connected to this outside of like it being the same universe, I believe. Um, but okay. I did see like, an, you know, on the big screen, the Eternals and it looks so good. I'm so excited to see it. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, it, it's, it's that feeling of, I think that a lot of people, um, are now experiencing is seeing like people that represent them in the MCU. And so like, I'm really happy that people who are, you know, Asian American or, or just Asian can see themselves in a superhero light. Um, the representation mm-hmm. in this film and the storytelling and their use of Chinese culture is so good. And they, they did such a good job of, of interweaving the Chinese culture into the movie and it not being done in like a patronizing or cheesy cool. way. Um, it just, they did, it, it's a really great job of what they did. Um, I did, I, I, when I went to go see it, like, I think that there was one thing that I kind of nitpicked and, uh, you know, when we talk about like race or ethnicity and like stereotypes, like one of the stereotypes about, you know, Chinese people or Asians is that they're very smart, that they, you know, perform really well in mm-hmm. school. And so there's um, to kind of give you a little bit of like a, an intro into the characters, um, Shang-Chi and Aquafina's characters are sort of like lo- lovable losers. Like they are valet drivers. <laughs> so it nice. kind of talks about how, you know, uh, immigrant parents have high expectations for their 
American-born children and how sometimes, you know, you can feel that you're not living up to those expectations because, you know, they want you to be a doctor, they want you to be a lawyer. And uh, the two characters are meeting with some of their friends who I, I believe she's a lawyer and she's telling them like, oh, you know, uh, Aquafina's character, like you got your degree in, from Berkeley and, and Sean, you have your degree. And I, I, I would have liked for them to have left that out and, and just show two mm-hmm. Asian American kids who don't perform really well in school that didn't go to get an Ivy league education, because it's still saying that that's even, even though they choose not to uh, utilize their education, you know, in this particular, particular movie, it's still living up to that stereotype of like both of the characters have Ivy league educations, or I I think Berkeley is Ivy league, right. Um, Or if not just like the top tier school. And and it's like, well, that's not necessarily like breaking stereotypes. It's kind of living up to that stereotype. Um, so I would have kind of liked to have seen it like it's cool to not have a degree, not go to college, even though that's sort of the message. And then they have these like really great heroic paths, obviously, because he becomes Shang Chi and he's a superhero and like a future member of the Avengers. Um but it would have been nice to like just be like, yeah, you can be like an everyday man and there's honor and respect about just being a hardworking, honest person. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like you yeah. don't have to have that. Yeah, I, know what you, of, I see what you mean. Of like, Oh no, but it like, you're still good because you got a degree from Berkeley. Like, no, just leave it at like, you're just good. Like you're good. Your parents <laughs> and they love you period. Like you don't have to have that education piece. I get what they're saying. And like, they want to have like good representation for Asians. But like, I think that, just like that little bit of a twist I thought would have been really cool to like have Aquafina's character, like not have gone to college, not have aspirations to have, you know, an advanced degree and, and be like overly educated, but be just a really cool character that has value and self-worth because she has other strengths and talents outside of an academic realm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's like the smallest nitpicking that I could possibly do. <laughs> Uh, smallest nitpicking yeah <laughs> because it, it's, it's such a good movie it was just like that little piece i was like uh it like it would have been cool for them just to be valet drivers period like ended at that um mm-hmm. but it, it's it's a really good movie and like i said it's 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 really great that the asian community now has you know similar to black panther with the african-american community or black community, right they have like their heroes i'm very excited for them to introduce more Latino characters. So, you know, Selma Hayek in the Eternals, um, America Chavez is going to be in the Dr. Strange, uh, movie. And so I'm excited to see some representation for my particular culture, um, coming up and, uh, cause there's definitely room for all of us at the table. Like there's so many characters that have so many like cool stories and they all interweave and like everyone should have their time in the spotlight or have their time in, you know, the storytelling and have their own story told. So I'm really excited about that. America Chavez and the Eternals with Salma Hayek. And then I think there's rumors of um, the Falcon being portrayed by a Mexican American um, as he Mm -hmm. is in the comics. So I would really love to be able to see that. I also would be able to love to see um, Ghost Rider has a version of uh, Ghost Rider of you know Spirit of Vengeance that's played by a Mexican or a Chicano and and he's sort of like a, a low rider sort of hot rod Ghost Rider oh, that's cool 
And so that would be really cool. He was actually a character on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and then it got canceled and they were going to give him his own spinoff on Hulu. And then when Disney bought out and, you know, all of that happened, they decided not to move forward. So we were like very close to having like a Latino ghostwriter um, having his own show. I thought that would have been really cool. Um, so I'm still like kind of holding out for like our, us having our moment of like Black Panther or Shang-Chi. Um, they're also, I'm like going to, I'm getting excited here, but they're also going to be in the new Black Panther. Uh, <laughs> Namor is going to be uh, portrayed by a Mexican actor. And I think he also really? casted another Mexican actress to, to play another, another character that from like the Atlantis Namor sort of uh, legend. And so I think they're going with like a, maybe with like an indigenous Mexican cast to portray the Atlanteans, which would be really cool. Um, and so that's, you know, I'm excited for that as well to see Namor portrayed by a Mexican actor. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm ready for us to have our hero as well. So um, that's something I'm looking forward to. <laughs> the MCU. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing my, you know, Mexican American, Russian Jewish superhero. So I don't know. Yeah. Can you find someone in the in the comic book realm for me there, Gabe? Mexican Jewish. That's like very specific. So <laughs> uh, I'd have to do some research. I'm pretty sure. So there are some characters that are half Mexican and half Caucasian. So I'm sure they could make them Jewish, but I don't know if like according to canon, if they are not? specifically Jewish. <laughs> uh, but there are a lot of Mexican Jews. So um, I think that that would be kind of interesting and educational for people to see that, you know, a lot of Jewish immigrants ended up in Mexico and you do have a lot of practicing mm-hmm. Jewish mm-hmm. Mexicans and, uh, you know, not all, you know, we're not all the same. So I think that it'd be interesting to right. show that particular storyline and, and have a super Jew mix. Or Jumex. Super Jumex. <laughs> Jumex, yeah. <laughs> Which was my nickname in high school, Captain Jumex. <laughs> well, what was it? Jumex? Jumex. You know the yeah, drink, yeah, yeah. Jumex? Yeah. yeah, that was my one of my nicknames in high school. So, nice. yeah. Jewish Mexican, Jumex, yeah. Great. I would have gone with Thanks for bringing those week. memories up. Instead of Jumex. <laughs> I am mixed you. Mex who? Yeah. <laughs> Mex who? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to seeing Shang Chi. It looks really good. I mean, from what I've seen and what I've heard, and it just looks fantastic. I'm sure I'm going to love it. Yeah. So yeah, make sure so, you see the end credits because there is a, an end credit scene. Of course, that's after what like 15 years of MCU movies. That's not a surprise by now. Like you've come to expect it. Well, I mean. Speaking of that, you think now with every movie, you you people sit and wait. Is there an end credit scene? Is there? Yeah. Yes, no. I mean, it's it come to a point where it's like at the end of a movie, especially a new movie, I'll look up. Does this movie have an end credit yeah. scene before I leave? And thanks a lot, MCU, for making everyone, which I guess is good, making everyone watch the credits yeah. again. Yeah. So. And, and, well, it's of, funny. You know, whenever credits, I go to the movies, like everyone like turns to look at me and like. Do we have to wait, Gabe? Like, is there an end scene? And I'm like, I, I don't know. About this one. But typically, I know. Uh, Black Widow, I think I was surprised by um, mm-hmm. the end credit scene. Like, I, I, I didn't know about it. I didn't really know a lot about, about Black Widow going into it, which I'm kind of surprised that, like, I'm glad that there's not a lot of spoilers going on on Twitter right now. 
Like, I don't think like I saw yeah, a lot of I think- uh, spoilers when it came to Shang-Chi. Um, so I'm like, I'm glad that people are like, fine, maybe hopefully learning to respect, you know, at least give us a week mm-hmm. or two weeks to catch up to the movie before you like ruin it for us. I, I know a lot of the creators like um, Edgar Wright, I think was on Twitter and asked his fans, he sent out a letter. I guess they did the premiere of his new movie last night in Soho at the Venice Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And I think they sent out a letter to the attendees or he tweeted it that, you know, please, for the respect of your fellow film goers, don't spoil the movie for them. Yeah. Refrain from, you know, because I guess there's a lot of stuff in there that he doesn't talk about in the trailer. That's really surprising. Yeah. This can be really cool. So I'm really that's another movie I'm looking forward to. That'll be right up your wheelhouse because it's set in 60s London. Well, time travels to 60s London. Nice. So the last night in Soho. So that's is that the one where be an interesting where... one. It's two girls, right? Is there two actresses mm-hmm. that? Yeah, she's like a fashion designer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I'm, I'm looking forward student, to that. She goes back yeah. and gets the designs from the sixties. Yeah, yeah. That, that um, I don't know really the good. actress's name, but she's she's actually I think she's Ar- Argentinian. So she's Latin. yeah, I think yeah. so. It's like Alicia Taylor Joy yeah, or something yeah. like that. She has that like very unique um, look. She's actually she played magic in New Mutants, and I haven't watched that yet. Have you watched it on HBO? Right. Yeah, New Mutants. I liked it. I, I, I still thought it was a good seen movie. it, which is odd because I oh. couldn't wait. Anya Taylor. Yeah, I couldn't wait to uh, to see it in the movie theater. They they it was almost like it was cursed. It took like years for it to come out, <laughs> and I thought they did so good with the casting, and I, I was really excited to see it. And then when I finally got the opportunity to see it on HBO Max, I was like, eh. <laughs> eh, I guess no, go watch it. It's it's surprisingly good. I I mean, when I saw it, I was like, okay, cool. You know, maybe it's like you know what leads up to new X-Men or what I wasn't too familiar with it. So I was like, cool, new mutants. I'll watch it. And it's more leaning on like the horror side of films, which is cool, but it's, it, it was really good. I enjoyed it. The, the only thing that makes me hesitant is that I actually really love the, the new mutants or like, one of the books that I loved growing up, like it's like a spinoff, you know, the, the young X-Men, if you will, particularly magic Mm -hmm. um, was one of my favorite characters um and wolf spain and the girl that turns into a a wolf and mirage being like one of the few like native american indigenous people like superheroes kind of going back onto representation like that's why i love the x-men so much is that there are so so much diversity um in their cast of characters um and so like i do like kind of hold all x-men and like x-men related movies like kind of close to my heart so i'm like i don't want to see it and be disappointed but like at the same time like from i've heard anya taylor joy is really good in the movie like she was perfectly cast mm-hmm. so yeah. i do want to see it for that her but, character rasputin yeah it was really yeah, good yeah so yeah i'll have to check it out but uh so far yeah. haven't <laughs> well, i've been <laughs> i've been on an old movie kick so I was I went back and I watched the original John Carpenter's Halloween, oh, nice. the 1978 version. I've never seen that, believe it or not. Yeah. It was like uh, not because I was scared. I mean, movies don't really scare me, but it's just something that you know. It's where I feel like if you don't watch it in like your teenage years or when it's you know, I guess hip to watch it, you probably never get around to it. So I just on a whim, it was saw it. It was on a um, I think Shutter that um horror channel subscription channel whatever and so i got their free trial when i checked it out and it was good i mean i it's you know 
it's made in 78 so the storyline's a little compared to nowadays it's a little you know flimsy and plot holy but but i what i really appreciated was the the camera work so the the cinematography and the way the handheld cameras are running around and i really enjoyed that part of it so the filmmaking portion of it as more opposed to the, the actual storyline of it, I guess yeah. you would say. So it's something that I would love to have been a part of making as opposed to just watching. Yeah. So I don't know. It was, it was enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. The music was awesome. Of course. What's that? The music was yeah. awesome. Of course. You know, the, theme like song. the music is iconic. Yeah. Um, I think that that set up like Jamie Lee Curtis is like the icon that she is. Um, mm-hmm. That character is like, she's been playing it for like decades now. And I think they're doing a new (laughs) Halloween story where she's finally like, okay, this is it. Like, we're going to get rid of Michael Myers. And it's like, I roll. Are you really going to get rid of him this time? Like, I think he's died. (laughs) Didn't you say that the last time? Yeah. Like there's, I, I, I swear there's been like three or four movies where it's like the older Jamie Lee Curtis saying she's going to get rid of him and like drag him to hell. And then it's like, Oh, here he is again. So uh, I probably will still watch it because I am a sucker for all those like 80s, like, you know, late 70s, 80s, uh, more mm-hmm. movies like Jason, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, all of those. Like I do love them. Um, typically for October, what we try to do is like do one horror movie every night for October nice. until like Halloween. We're not always successful mm-hmm. because obviously we get busy and, and we, so – but we – try and then we like revisit like some really old ones um and some favorites um but halloween is probably definitely one of the favorites and it's it's like a classic it's iconic it is it really is yeah you know he's it's you know michael myers uh uh oh my god i can't think of his name freddy krueger um jason those are like mm-hmm. the three like most iconic and then you know now they have like the new ones like from saw or uh, you know, all the, the new like young kids have like their own icons, but I don't think they'll ever surpass Jason, Michael or Freddie. Like, well, what about Chucky? No, but, <laughs> He's getting his own new series soon. Yeah. I think on the sci-fi network. Yeah. So. And he has like that new, like Karen hairdo. It's like iron and flat. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, why did they give my hair? That? <laughs> that looks interesting. I mean, the reboot of that movie was, was kind of cool with a Bluetooth toy and everything, you know, for this generation. Yeah. So I, that was interesting. But I think the, the original, like bride of Chucky and seed of Chucky, those like sequels were just so comedic that they were, I don't know. They were just a gore fest, but it was, it was, Humorous, I, I, I think guess. that Bride of Chucky is my favorite um, of all of them, and I I, I just love uh, Jennifer Tilly like in her character, yeah. like it, yeah, it's she's so awesome funny her it. voice and all of that. So mm-hmm. I, I, that's probably my favorite of that whole series. <laughs> I also went and saw a movie that's now almost thirty years old that was released in '93 with Robert Downey Jr. You know, pre Iron Man days yeah. back. I think probably made between rehab stints. I don't know. Um, (laughs) The movie Chaplin. (laughs) Now I'd never seen Chaplin. I mean, I I know of the movie and of course I know of Charlie Chaplin, the original actor who was at the groundbreaking of when the cinema scene was just starting in ground floor. So it was really interesting to see the best part of the movie that I thought was really cool is that they got Charlie Chaplin's actual daughter, Geraldine. They cast her as 
the role of Chaplin's mother, Hannah, in the movie. So I thought that was really cool. Really? It was like a nice nod to the to the family. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Um, the movie was interesting. I learned a lot about Charlie Chaplin because it was taken in part from his autobiography. So, you know, it was straight from the horse's mouth. So, I mean, if I'm sure he kind of Hollywood upped it for the for his book, but still yeah. it was straight from him. It wasn't conjecture. It was straight from what he experienced. The, the scene that really got me though, have you seen the movie? I haven't. Okay. But, uh, well, here, here, let me, let's see if I can guess before you, you tell me, let me see if I can guess okay. uh, Charlie Chaplin's history, just based off of what I know about early Hollywood history. One, was he abused? Two, was he an alcoholic? And three, did he die penniless? <laughs> okay. Um, abuse, maybe. He was, uh, I think, born in the late 1800s, so 1890. So he was penniless to begin with life. His mom was a vaudeville performer kicked off the stage booed off the stage and never returned and he kind of took up the mantle for her so um i don't know if he was abused there he did like young women so i don't know if he did the abusing (laughs) you know hollywood directors and actors of that time you know they like the their starlets Mm -hmm. i guess and that played into kind of his downfall or fall from grace and why he got kicked out of the country during the mccarthy um, red communism witch trial era. Oh wow! Um, but he didn't. He didn't die penniless, as from what I could tell. He was awarded the, I guess, the special award at one of the um, Academy Awards. So he came back to America for that. And no, it seemed like he he lived a full life. He died at age I think eighty eight. It said eight grandchildren from his last wife that he had, and it seemed like. I don't think he would have any complaints, but the scene that really got me was, okay, so he met his, like his first love of his life when he was performing in vaudeville act in Chicago area, I think it was, or Montana, somewhere in that Midwest. And he proposed to her, he was in love with her and he wanted to take her out West when he got called to become the new Hollywood silent film star. And she said, no, and he always stuck with, you know, with wanting to remarry her. And it was always his thought of going back to England where they both were from and finding her and marrying her. But he learns on a trip back to England to visit friends that she had passed away. No one had told him. And this was, he learned about it like a minute or two before he was supposed to get off the train to go meet his adoring fans. So if you can imagine that heartbreak he must be feeling right before he has to go out yeah. and see everyone and smile. So the person he's with, he said, what are we going to do? And he said, we're going to smile. And then he steps off the train and the instrumental version of smile is playing in the background. And that was just like, oh, that just hit me hard. Cause you know, just imagine having to put all that down because people are expecting a certain you know, character from you, even in real life, even if it's not what you're portraying on the screen, it's just, and he wasn't able to grieve. He just had to push that down. And it was just that, that got me a little bit. That was, that was kind of hard to see. Smile, like a Chaplin song. Like, didn't he write it? I don't know. I think I'll have to look that up. I know when I looked it up, I know Nat King Cole, like, um, has done a rendition because I, I, I want to say that Michael but... Jackson was quoted as saying that 
Smile by Ch- Charlie Chaplin was his favorite all-time song. You're right. It is a song by Chaplin. Yeah. I did not know that. So that makes sense why why um, they use that there. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, and it is that a even, great song. It's even more harder. Thanks a lot. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that, that even makes it even more, more uh, monumental right. and heartbreaking. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And, well, that's, and that's why I said like the three things and I'm like, he one of them because – Typically, when you have the entertainers that are like that, they're covering up some sort of pain. I mean, mm-hmm. all humans mm-hmm. are, but like particularly people who are entertainers who are like comedic or um, a lot of yeah, singers. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, they're mm-hmm. masking a lot of that. And old Hollywood was just like insane. I didn't know that he was English, though. That's surprising. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that surprised me American. too. <laughs> Um, but the performance no, by Robert was, Downey Jr. Did he win an Academy Award for that, or was he nominated? Do you recall? I do not. Know. I think he was nominated. I don't know up. if he won. <clears throat> I do remember that that was at like the pinnacle of his like in and out of rehab, and like yeah. having difficulty like getting insured, and exactly and I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting for like young people to know him as Iron Man and Tony Stark, and like not know any of the history and like how remarkable it is that he was able to kind of overcome his addiction and become a superhero for people mm-hmm. um, because he had definitely a, had like a dark past um, and right. uh, has gone through a lot. So um, that's kind of cool that he's been able to do that. Um, one of my favorite movies of Robert Downey Jr. where he full on like almost plays himself is less than zero with Andrew McCarthy mm-hmm. and, um, Jamie Gertz. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's based off mm-hmm. of a, a Brett Easton Ellis book and uh, great soundtrack. Uh, there's a song from the Bengals, um, Hazy Shade of Winter. That's like one of my favorite songs. Like it's a remake of uh, God. I can't think of the, the two guys, Simon and Garfunkel. Um, and, okay. uh, but they like rock it up. Cause it's like a folk song and, the Bengals did the remake of it and uh, such a good movie, but in it, Robert Downey Jr. basically plays like a crackhead. And um, I imagine like, it must've been hard for him because like, imagine struggling with addiction and then playing a character that's having to play. Yeah. Like Uh I'm sure that played with his head, like it. And then like, Oh, it must've holding a crack pipe and smoke, like smoking a crack pipe and, and, how like triggering like how could you not be triggered by that and like want to abuse drugs again like it's crazy that he did that but um what am i that's like one of my cult favorite movies is is lessons or i recommend it to anyone that hasn't seen it such a good movie i also think of um kiss kiss bang bang that's also in a movie where he almost plays himself in a way he plays an actor right so that that was a good movie i enjoyed that one yeah so getting to like older movies that we kind of revisited I, I wanted to see if we could have like a, a little moment of trivia where I, I got some quotes ah. and I wanted to see if, if, <laughs> if you could guess what movies they're from. Uh, and then you can bring it on. You can, uh, you know, if you have any that, you know, off the top of your head, by all means, try to try to uh, stump, stump me. Yeah. So the first one <laughs> that I have, I think this one will it'd be easy. I'm going to I'm going to start with the easiest one. So this quote is from a movie that I think speaks to our generation and the quote is, well, Sinead Rebellion, shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Sinead Rebellion. <laughs> Sounds like something I should know, but I don't think that I do know. 
So oh, this goodness. is from another of like my cult favorites, and I think that it's like very Gen X. It's Empire Records with Renee Zellweger. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, yes, and I it's love that when, movie. Yes. when Robin Tooney's character shaves her head and she comes out, and yes, Renee yes, Zellweger's okay. character gotcha. they kind of have mm-hmm. like a back and forth, and so she finally sees her. And I love that she calls her Sinado Rebellion. I, I, I love that line. Yeah, <laughs> that movie is great. I do love that movie. Yeah, it is a fabulous movie. Okay, so this one I did find one. What's up for you though? Before I did find one for you. Okay, all right. Now it's a little more um, obscure, I think. Maybe no, I wouldn't call it obscure. It's 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 from a movie maybe you've seen recently. Okay. So let's just go with that. It's and you probably get this right away. Is it the good thing about evil people is that you can always trust them to do something well, evil. Cruella. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Started easy. <laughs> and that it wasn't a really good line. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and and she did such a good job with her accent um, because I, when I think mm-hmm. of like actors that that bomb doing English accents, Keanu Reeves in Dracula <laughs> comes to mind. <laughs> uh, but she was very believable, and especially when yeah, she, I agree. her character sort of evolves into like Cruella, she does such a good job with like. You know, one thing that I didn't talk about about the movie that I loved is like the little like nods that they did to the animated feature, like her hot rod, mm-hmm. like and her her like body mm-hmm. language when she's mm-hmm. driving and how horribly she. Drives. Yes, that's true. Yeah, and um, right, you know, and also that her friend growing up, the darling. Yeah, Anita Darling. Anita Darling, and yeah. the mm-hmm. lawyer, and then you know they kind of another nod to that is like the two Dalmatians, you know, that they introduce. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to mm-hmm. say when or how, but you know, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, I thought that was yep. really cool. <laughs> um, and then we did have one of the characters singing like her theme song from the animated feature, uh, which was cool. Uh, her henchman, like there, uh, there were so many like little nods to the animated feature that I thought were cool, but then they like turned the volume up like so much with like the whole mm-hmm. punk aesthetic that I thought was really cool. So anyway, here's uh, another quote that I have for you. This one might be, well, the other one I didn't think was difficult, but let's see if you can get this one. <laughs> <laughs> this one is hard. So um, the quote is now I want to dance. I want to win. I want that trophy. So dance good. Man, it's like right on the tip of my head. So th- this is from a movie that has about a thousand characters in it and has a thousand memorable lines, but is super iconic for our generation. I know that you love the movie, um, but definitely our generation and one of the all-time best directors, screenwriters uh, of all time. Is it breaking to Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> <laughs> so it is Pulp Fiction. <laughs> It's Mia Wallace when she's okay. talking okay. to John Tavolta yep. about the right. dance contest. Five dollar milkshake. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's why it's hard is because I, I chose like a really obscure quote from a movie that has a million lines in it that are like perfection. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like Quentin Tarantino anymore, but Pulp Fiction I think is just like Oh, nearly saw this movie. It's so good. Best soundtrack too. Yeah, yeah. one of the best soundtracks. Yeah, definitely. So this next quote I have for you, I have two of them. I couldn't decide. It's from really 
a a series of movies. So it's not just one movie. So one of them is from the first movie, and it's you're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crap thunder. Grease? <laughs> no, it's not grease. It's more of a a boxing movie, and this is told by the trainer to the star boxer. Huh. Say it again. You're going to eat lightning and you're going to crap thunder. Rocky? I just thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah. it's Rocky. It's, it's his trainer, Mickey. He says that to him. Very cool. So last one, and we can wrap up this episode because I think this is a great quote to end okay. on. You Do probably it. won't get it, but it's one of my favorite movies. And I know a lot of my friends. I hope I get it. Huh? You, you I hope I get it. Yeah, you're not going to get okay. it, but it's it's so funny, and it's from one of my favorite movies um, of all times, and it's very quotable. And so the quote is, "You look so good with blonde hair and black roots. It's like not even funny." So good. Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Love that movie. Yes. That movie's awesome. I remember watching that movie. And then when it came out in the theater, yeah. yeah. It, it, when we were in Hawaii, we were talking about uh, friends about how quotable that movie is, and um, it is <laughs> between that and like Clueless is another one where there's like a ton of quotes. Mm -hmm. um, but I, Elisa Kudrow, Mira, Mira Sorvino are so good in that movie. Mm -hmm. uh, Alan Cumming is so good in that movie. Janine Garofalo, uh, Justin Thoreau yeah. has like a, yeah. a cameo in it. Uh, there's so many good people in it and um, it, their high school, like they're from Tucson, Arizona, which is like the most hilarious thing. To that, obviously, <laughs> well, I'm from. And I don't know why I said, obviously like that, like you can see it on me. Yes. It's written on your face. <laughs> Tucson. But um, I always thought it was hilarious that it's like, it, one, my best friend from high school's name is Michelle. And so we always joke like, Oh, that's like totally us, like moving from Arizona and, he briefly lived in California, and obviously now I do. And, and there's a quote in the movie like, "Oh yeah, like what you know? Why do we feel we, like weird? Like we moved to California, and they're still stuck in Tucson." And so I just think that's like one of the other funny, funniest quotes of that movie, and, and it just makes me laugh. Like that, you know, it, it's just like such a good movie. So anyway, that's that's one of my favorite quotes of all times. Very cool. Such a good movie. Very cool. Yeah, I, I like that movie. Yeah. Haven't seen it in forever. My goodness. It, it's one of Doesn't that make you feel can, old? Like, no matter what part it's on, I can start watching it, and it, it's like mm -hmm. it's a dumb movie. It's sort of like the Water Boys, another movie like that that I can just start watching yeah. the Water Boy whenever <laughs> it's on. At <laughs> that was another one that I was going to put a quote, you know, do a quote from, but I thought for sure it would be too easy because it's like Adam Sandler, like you'd know it. Uh, <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. You can do it all night long. <laughs> Mama says that's the devil. <laughs> Mama says alligators are so ornery because they have so many teeth and no toothbrush. <laughs> I love the part where it's like the, the girlfriend and the mom's going back and forth and she's like, well, did you know that he's got smelly feet? Men are supposed to have stinky feet. Well, did you know that he still wets his sheets? <laughs> that's um, him over there. <laughs> Mama, <laughs> we have to do an episode on Waterboy, or like maybe like cult classic, like comedy movies. Because uh, so yeah, let's do that. Especially since 
Water Boy, like Adam Sandler movies. We could just do it on Adam Sandler, you know, '90s movies yeah. like Happy Gilmore, um, Mr. Deeds. What's it? Billy, Billy Madison. Um, you know, all those movies before he became, you know. Well, I don't want to ever want to say he became too famous for those type of movies because he still makes those kind of movies. But back then, those were, you know, our where we got our laughs in line from. Yeah, at least it, it was such a like a goofy, stupid, like Gen X movies. And now he's, I mean, he's like the elder statesman comedian, right? Like he's old, like yeah. he's old. So he, he's like, does a lot more serious movies. And then he does movies about being old, like an old guy. Like what's the movie he did with Salma Hayek where it's like married couples. Um, I can't think of it where she, the little girl's like, I want to be chocolate wasted. I know what you're talking about. Oh, goodness. Chris Rock is in it. Yes, Grown Ups. Grown Ups, yeah. Grown Ups and Grown Ups. Yeah, yeah. with Chris Rock, David Spade, yeah. Rob Schneider, yeah. you know, the whole gang yeah, from Saturday Night Live gang. Yeah. I, I think that, that his Kevin movies James. are like slightly more like family oriented now. Like they're not as, or maybe I'm well, just like. It depends. I mean, some of them. I mean, think of like um, uncut jewels or gems yeah. i think it was that was not family oriented my goodness that movie was yeah. serious yeah <laughs> That's so funny. okay well i i think with that we can wrap up this episode episode 25 of pop cult x yeah. my goodness but yeah i agree with you let's do a cult classic movie even we can go with um comedic or genre or year yeah um, or actor or actors and his friends because you know every adam sandler happy madison production has a constant character list that they pull from which is cool because it gives them those actors work but i don't know you know what it is cool i enjoy that i like that he always brings his friends along and i'm not gonna say anything bad about that because i think that's really cool yeah. if i make movies and i work with uh, my friends and i and I have fun doing it and I enjoy doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. So kudos to them for that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right on. Well, on that note, so we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Check us out on all our socials and uh, hit us up. Send us some comments and uh, we'll see you next week.